The following program contains discussion of content some listeners may find distressing. Listener discretion is advised. Hello everybody, thank you very much for downloading this episode of the Cinema Catch-Up Club. For more information, you can visit the Cinema Catch-Up Club's official Facebook page. Just search for the Cinema Catch-Up Club. Or you can visit our website, thoughtjarproductions.com. This podcast is available on iTunes and SoundCloud, and we would really appreciate your subscriptions there, so pick your service of choice. For more information about this and other podcasts we produce, please visit thoughtjarproductions.com. And now, for this week's episode... Hello everybody, and welcome to the Cinema Catch-Up Club, Halloween edition. That's right, it's spooky Halloween times. We're watching a very, very spooky Halloween film. It is 1981's The Evil Dead. As voted for by you at home. Joining me, the host, Stephen Platt. Hi, how you doing? We have two guests. One has seen the film and one has not. Our guest who has not seen the film... It's Kate Willoughby. Ooh, hello. I'm not a ghost. My name's Kate. Hello. Uh, just a reminder for the folks at home, Kate, who are you and what do you do? Um, so my name's Kate. I work in children's theatre mostly. Uh, right now, though, I'm doing some improv D&D uh, at the, um, here in Perth with Stephen, actually. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, we're doing a little bit of improv together. and uh... A bit of Dungeons and Dragons, a bit of nerding out. It's going to be good. Yeah. And you've not seen The Evil Dead? No, I've seen The Evil Dead TV series. Okay. So I started watching that and there were a lot of references where I was like, uh, I'm assuming it's from the movies. Um, so I know a little bit, but I've never watched the infamous movie. Okay. I've so, only ever heard of it. So you have not seen any of the Evil Dead films? None of the Evil Dead films, only the TV series. Did you like the TV series? I liked it. I liked that it was really gross. I kept closing my eyes. It was scary, but it was also funny. So I don't know if it's... If the original movies also have humour or if humour was added on to it because it was an 80s horror and they're working on the the comedy aspect because maybe it was tacky or maybe it was like I don't know what kind of horror it is. So if the effects were like the TV show, maybe it was maybe more tacky horror, but I've never watched it. So Okay. Yeah. I mean, well, I'll, I'll be perfectly upfront as well. I have never seen any of the Evil Dead films, nor the TV show. My my only experience is um, is a mobile game called Army of Darkness, oh. which um, is it's actually really fun. It's like a, a sort of you have to fight waves of enemies as this uh, guy named Ash, who was a chainsaw for a hand, which I yes. presume is uh, I presume is the main character. Yes, I do know he's the main character. I know that he he has that on the TV series, um, and I know that it definitely involves. He, I know that his sister dies at and because it was mentioned in the TV series and stuff like that. But mm. yeah, so. All right. Well, joining us as our guest who has seen The Evil Dead and making his debut on the podcast, it's Murray Jackson. How are you doing, Murray? Oh, very well. Thank you, Stephen. And thank you for having me. No worries. And uh, just for the folks at home, Murray, who are you and what do you do? 
Okay, well, I'm Murray Jackson. I'm a finance broker by trade, uh, although these days I seem to spend an awful lot of time looking at my comic collection and at my DVD collection, so um, probably not what my wife would want me doing. No, and I can confirm just for the folks at home that uh, Murray has perhaps more DVDs and comics than I think anyone possibly could have maybe should have should have yeah Yeah. should have when you said let's go to a movie room you know like i was like oh okay you know it's gonna be like leather couches which it exists in the big tv and i walk in and it's a projector and there are dvds lining the wall and the floor and everything it's like no point doing things by halves yeah (laughs) it's it's like i swore when i saw it i was like whoa imagine the scene in beauty and the beast you know Mm. where like the beast shows bell the library and it does like that look that is what it was like. That's a very accurate descri- uh, description. Murray, uh, you have seen The Evil Dead. I have indeed. Uh, in a sort of vague, non-spoilery sort of way, um, what what can we expect from The Evil Dead for us that have not seen the film? Well, this is obviously a film from prior to CGI times, Stephen, so everything is filmed in camera. Um, what can you expect from it? I would say it's a fairly visceral experience. Um, it's uh, certainly a in-your-face experience. Um, I'm keen, really, to see what people born after 1990-something think of the film, um, given it's from, I guess, what we would call the, the, the classic 80s uh, horror uh, genre um, boom. Mm. Yeah, as a 1993er, I will be able to give you some insight, I suppose. And as a 1989er, I'm afraid to disappoint you that I'm, <laughs> I'm just, just, just a bit too cool for these millennials. <laughs> um, well, with all that in mind, shall we watch The Evil Dead? Oh, yes. let's, let's do it. All right, let's. for those of you at home, pop in your DVDs and prepare your boomsticks as we watch The Evil Dead. While Stephen and his guests are watching the film in question, I'm just going to take this moment to tell you about another project from Thought Jar Productions. It's a science fiction radio play series called Atlantis, and it's available to download right now. All you have to do is go to www.atlantisradioplay.com, click the Listen Online tab, and you can listen online or download up to seven episodes of original science fiction content from Thought Jar Productions. That's atlantisradioplay.com. And now, back to the Cinema Catch-Up Club. Well, that was a lot of blood. Welcome back, everyone. We have just finished watching... The Evil Dead. And by we, I of course mean Kate Willoughby. Hello. And Murray Jackson. Ooh. Kate, it was our Patreon patrons who suggested this film, and it was indeed the general public that voted this is the Halloween film we should most watch. Yeah. Um, what would you like to say to them? Uh, it is really bloody mm-hmm. and really scary in a tacky kind of way, like but really gruesome. Mm. Yeah. Do you think it was a good pick for a Halloween film? 
I feel like that there are more quintessential Halloween movies. Mm. Um, but they had some really good shots um, and and a really good ending. Mm. So I think it's a good movie, but I feel like there might be more movies that when people think of Halloween, maybe not this one, but it's definitely... It was, I enjoyed it still. Okay, I'm, I'm curious. One, um, what do you think of when you think Halloween then? Well, probably first of all, the movie Halloween. No. Okay, um, that's <laughs> um, yeah, no, I do. I think of like, um, I like, I always try to avoid uh, horror movies like in general because they do like scare me and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Um, but I always like it if it's got a good storyline, even though like a lot of movies like, blah, blah, blah. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know. I feel like Alien or that one's pretty scary. And, um, and I also, Freddy, the first Nightmare on Elm Street. Mm. That one, I've watched that one all the way through. That scared the crap out of me as mm. well. But, yeah. but Evil Dead you actually enjoyed? Yes. I. It's weird. I think if I hadn't watched, I don't know, like I've watched this TV series mm. and I enjoy the TV series. And there were parts of the movie that I really enjoyed. Like there was some shots they were really well done some less so there was one whole scene where one of the characters was out of focus um Mm. and um yeah so there were some really nice shots and some really scary shots and there was some like i was expecting the jump so there were parts of the movie which is the point of horror where i was getting nervous and wanting to cover my eyes before anything happened Mm -hmm. and then when it did happen i covered my eyes and was like ah jesus all right so i said that a lot um there was one scene I was not expecting really early on and that just like put me off a bit. Which scene was that? Um, it was the tree uh, sort of... Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah, I feel like just if you've watched the movie, in theory, if you already know what I'm talking about. Yeah, that, we will get on to the... Um, the tree the, scene. The tree scene. Yeah. Um, Murray, when did you last watch um, Evil Dead? Oh, Lord. Um, oh, it's, it's, a, it's a little while back, actually, because it's um, it's a film I have watched a few times. So it's been a, probably a little while bet- between drinks, and it's the first time I've seen it in Blu-ray. So I've had the Blu-ray for a little while now and had put off digging it out. So I was kind of keen to see um, what improvements there might be in, in the overall experience in terms of the picture and the sound. It was done on a very low budget, and I think it was done in 16 mil, which essentially means it was blown up mm. to achieve, you know, the equivalent of 35 mil. Um, yeah, it's it, yeah, it's still a good experience. I still like it. Okay, so it was still um, enjoyable. I am curious. Obviously, um, you saw this film when it first came out. No, um, I didn't. No, you didn't. Um, my first um, memory of the film or knowing about the film was I, well, well I was living in New Zealand um, as, a, as a child. We came to Australia on holiday in around 1983 and for some reason I picked up a whole lot of posters from um, a video store, a couple of video stores that I visited in Sydney while we were there. One of which was The Evil Dead. God, I wish I still had that poster. Um, Valuable, I'm presuming? Oh, yeah. Okay. And the film was released on video by Thorn EMI back in the early 80s. And it was one of those ones that we were always wanting to watch because I was probably in my second to last year of high school. So that was the cool thing to do back then was to 
you know, higher horror films um, that we couldn't legally get in to see at the time in the cinema and watch them with your friends on video. So I think my earliest experience in terms of watching Evil Dead possibly wasn't until the late 80s. Okay, but you watched it in this sort of um, communal friendly uh, horror experience, which I actually feel is maybe the way this film is meant to be watched. The way that the whole sort of... I don't want to use the word amateur, but it's. It, I mean, it. It was not a professional film. No. It was. It was very much um, the sort of film that would be crowdfunded. Today. Oh, you'd watch it with your yeah. yeah it's but, the sort of thing you watch with your mates. It's not a date film. No, no. and actually, it does say at the end of the thing. Um, it does say um, when they had special thanks, they did have a special thanks to funded by. So they did hmm. probably get money from mates and and you know mm. stuff like that to help put the movie on mm. and i think it shows some shots where they probably were like oh this is the best one we've got even yeah. though it's super shaky we're just gonna have to mm. go with it but it's it's very much i i feel as though given that it's it's such a small cast of, of mm. like it's, it's essentially five um five people that's all we really have in the film there's obviously and one room space i mean they go outside but it's yeah. sort of They've kept into a, a low space, but that, that sort of uh, sort of intimate setting and the the nature of the film, it it does feel as though that this is a film that is to be enjoyed with 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 friends in a communal se- a setting. I'd say mm. I I almost feel as though I don't know whether this film would be as good watching it in a cinema. If you if you get my sense, I think you've really got to take yourself back in time to what it must have been like mm. to watch films like this. Um, in the early 80s because there really wasn't anything like it at the time. You mm-hmm. had you know, films like uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Halloween, Friday the 13th, the first one might have been out by then, um, but there hadn't been this exposure to really visceral horror of this nature. So mm-hmm. that, that in itself was an experience for people. And it wasn't a film that got a wide theatrical release anyway and internationally probably stuff all so your first experience of watching this film was probably on video with your mates mm. and i think it's interesting bringing up the point about the the very visceral nature of it um because this film was making me it was reminding me a lot of uh john carpenter's the thing which came out a year after this film did, um, and it was with a bigger budget, with a yes. much bigger budget. But but the particularly towards the end when um, all the skull, everything's melting and shooting Ugh. off, and yeah, it's it is interesting. Um, and as you said, obviously, you know, you were saying before about um, everything is shot in camera, everything is shot uh, mm. because obviously they don't have the access to um, the uh, contemporary special effects that we have now, and seeing what what worked and what didn't i feel like it pretty much mostly if not all worked yeah i mean i was still go it still grossed me out mm. like i was still grossed out even though yeah the pencil in the ankle in particular oh that, that was yeah <laughs> that was fantastic I, I think the only one that i could really stand and watch funnily enough was parts of when they were all exploding because mm. it was just so clay animation that i think you could for me, I was like, oh, yeah, like... You, you could uh, disassociate. Yeah, I could disassociate. Mm. It was still gross, especially, and still, like, impressed by, like, when the when the claws came out of their stomachs and stuff like that. Mm. But, like, stuff like the ripping of the legs and, like, the pencil and the when the girlfriend got to the boyfriend's face and was scratching his face and stuff, mm. that made me go, like, mm. ugh, ugh. And even it's, even yeah. that stop animation, um, if you think back... Uh, it would have been filmed around the same time. 
Raiders of the Lost Ark with the right. face melting scene at the end there. I was getting that vibe, yeah. yeah. Um, and how we all bought into that. So once again, you've really got to take yourself back to the level of the effects that mm. were available at the time. Yeah. And that still would have been an experience for audiences back then. Certainly. And, and, and to be perfectly honest, it it mostly holds up. It's yeah. um, it You know, there's a couple of bits where you maybe are looking at it and going... That that doesn't seem natural, but then what's happening isn't natural. And I think yeah. I think choosing, I really liked the fact that at points when the the bodies were collapsing and falling apart and melting, there were very bright, almost sort of like um, children's play doh colors in there, yeah. which made it seem, I, I, it, rather than making it seem amateurish and like oh they didn't know how to do the colors, I actually felt made it feel more otherworldly. Made made that whole demonic possession element um work just that bit better for me yeah. the fact that it was the oatmeal out the sleeves was a little bit lowbrow but a little <laughs> bit but it looked effective we're looking at it, it going gross. that's was, that's gross yeah it grossed yeah. me out and same with like i think my favorite uh was the fun- like it made me chuckle but it was also um when the guy was cutting up his girlfriend with mm. the axe and it was just like axe bloods like the whole shot it was like scary but it was funny and especially with the sound effects how uh, it just sounded like he was just hitting wood, mm. uh, um, and I mean, then blood spraying. Her but performance was... may have been a little wooden. Maybe it was. <laughs> ah. um, and also, yeah, it was really interesting. Uh, I liked how, even though that guy Scott, yeah, Scotty, he was like such a douchebag. I was and... about to say he was your favorite, wasn't he? Oh my! God. At the whole start of the movie, I was like, oh, please let him die first. But uh, but that being said, I liked how he was the last one pretty much sort of hmm. um and and um he was sort of set up he had that sort of he- hero trope like he was the guy that was like i'm gonna go down in the cellar and have a look like i'm the one that my uh, girlfriend alpha male yeah the alpha hmm. male i'm the my girlfriend's possessed so you know what i'm gonna chop her up while <laughs> poor old ash. well ash is like standing in the corner holding an axe as everything's happening just sort of staring and and realistically that's what you would be doing like Hmm. you would just have no idea what's happening and then eventually he's building up to having to like and even then in the whole movie he's only defending himself he actually never really um goes and attacks he never goes and attacks he's always defending himself and even when he had the option to cut his girlfriend up because he knew that that's what you had to do he didn't have the heart to do it because it was somebody that he loved still so he buried her to try and give her the respectful burial i mean it bit him on the ass but you know um he always was defending himself never on the attack while scotty was always on the attack mode he was very much uh in survival mode he was ready to cut and run oh, he was ready to ditch everyone he's like yeah. i don't give a crap about your girlfriend and your mm. possessed sister i'm out of there and mm. then you know that was the I, last time you really i find it really interesting that you guys are focusing on the the human participants in this film mm. without necessarily having mentioned yet the the other real participant in the film which is the the woods and the mm. evil mm. um in the evil dead um yeah. and yeah. that you know the, the the low growl noise the mm. the um uh the steady cam shots um sped up through the uh through the woods and we- so on did you did you find that Quite, I, I don't know it. scary no i liked it i mean i like the fact because again because i had seen the tv series when i saw the camera thing i knew what it was so that probably surprise hmm. of 
seeing everything going around but i thought it was a really good way it was sort of like the way with jaws you know you don't have a but what's scary is what you can't see yeah um and i think that it's this thing that can get you anywhere like it's mm. sort of like you're on you're on the perspective of the hunter and um you know and well it was I, another character wasn't it I mean, yeah it was it, it, it was the protagonist Mm. Yeah, I mean, it was it from from my perspective, having not seen the film before, I found that um, for starters, I found the film being very reminiscent of the original um, Night of the Living Dead, the black and white. Um, is it, I think it's sixty seven, sixty eight, sixty eight, almost. Um, it, 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 I found it quite reminiscent, obviously, because it's the you know the trapped in a house setting and, and all that sort of thing. But I felt it was, it felt like a progression on from that in the sense that a lot of the um the way night of the living dead was shot was designed to make you feel trapped and claustrophobic but the way that the evil dead i i would say advances that is is by making the evil a character making it a, a feature of the world and making it feel as though a lot of the time the camera i felt as though we were we were with this evil spirit like mm. like you yeah. say and i thought it was really effective i loved the um i really loved the perspective from the trapdoor when cheryl's in yeah. is, is is there and you've got the chains and you can see the hand running past near the near the lens and you see everyone else freaking out and they're a bit out of focus and it's sort of shifting around the room and i think that's such a such a really clever way of, of shooting it um and yeah it's it's a really well shot film, which I don't think I was I, expecting. I think, I think. Oh, sorry, you go. I was going to say, I, th I think because they had the um, claustrophobic nature of that set, that cabin set, that as a director you would have to sit there thinking, how do I make this interesting without mm. shooting the same angles all the, all the time, and mm. that that probably uh, one of the reasons that he had to look for different perspectives yeah mm. and i also like the fact that um even though there was multiple possessions and stuff you knew it was all the same spirit yeah like you knew it was the same like it was the same demon like mm. it wasn't like there were multiple demons after him like because the way that it was you could tell that the way that the people spoke and the way that it it, it was all one person like one thing one entity yeah one entity which i thought was really cool like you mm. didn't question like there was multiple it was sort of like it's this one entity that's sort of following and the and same with the trees and stuff i i mean that fear of like the woods and being isolated is something i think it's really good to look at because a lot of people fear nature because you don't have control over it um and sort of same with demons you don't have control over something old and mm. nature is, you know, it especially tree like trees mm. and stuff. They were there before you, and they'll be there after. Like, mm. and, and and that's that's a repeated yeah. theme in a lot of films. In fact, you could say that this film, in a way, borrows from a, an Australian film called Long Weekend, where nature basically takes revenge against the humans invading their space. So it's it is a it's a common theme. Mm. Mm. Um, as we're talking about trees let's get on to that scene um where rather okay having not seen this and kate having not seen it i don't think you or i were expecting a tree possessed by a demon to rape somebody yes and it's okay it's extremely well shot considering it is one actor 
and a bunch of essentially sticks and twigs and string and string it's yeah. an incredibly well shot sequence mm. but it's uh, and again uh part of the fact that it's so effective and well shot makes makes it all the worse in that sense makes it all the more disturbing yeah i it was it was one of those things where i like the second it grabbed both of her wrists and was working on the cloth i knew pretty much where it was gonna go Mm. um that's interesting because i I didn't pick up on it as soon uh mm. when it was doing the cloth ripping i was thinking oh that's that's a good way of like using the limited materials that you've got so you know a bit of the cloth ripping it's like oh it's grabbing at you it's grabbing at you it's yeah. it was only when it was like starting to essentially force her legs apart and moving her around i was like oh yeah no oh. yeah once her wrist was sort of taken it was that sort of uh, oh, i'm gonna pull as a woman card like as a yep. woman and watching a lot of women in cinema hmm. um straight away i was like oh. Okay, and then I was like, and then I actually said, "Oh, this is getting really rapey." And then, bam, her legs were pulled apart, and I was like, and then a tree, like an actual branch, went through her legs, and I just was like, Ugh. it was sort of like you didn't need, you didn't need that, and there, that's what sort of I know that it was mm. of its time and see, I, I, I actually found it quite uncomfortable mm. watching it or watching your reaction to it. Yeah. Um, I've watched that scene many, many times and have probably just thought to myself, well, that's a great piece of filmmaking from the, the perspective of how it's shot. Um, and, you know, it's, it's your typical woman industry. I've probably even paid it enough due in terms of how that must feel like with you mm. as a woman watching that scene. And for a moment there, I put myself in your space and it actually made me feel quite uncomfortable Mm. yeah and i mean it was and especially like her running to the door and trying to unlock like you know the amount of times i've had you know me at like night time like trying to get to my car it it evoked those very uncomfortable feelings Mm. and i this is a film which is very gratuitous um in its violence in in its in its ridiculousness and the fact that it does that with with a scene with um sexual violence i think is it's in keeping with the film and again that thing of of you know saying it's a film that was made of a certain time period yeah i feel as though whilst that's important to consider when looking at a film like this it's also the sort of thing where that wouldn't really be in any film that's made contemporarily and probably be accepted by the cinema going community yeah and I, and I especially i think just because you know you like in the sense of you didn't need it in where it led to when it just kept going yeah you know her being trapped and it grabbing her wrists and her pulling the things out and it ripping her and attacking her legs mm. and flesh and stuff and then her running away and running to the door i think it would have had the same effect the same effect like but putting it into a sexual assault as well it and especially it was weird because i knew straight away like they did the shot of the brother with the girlfriend yeah the friend with the girlfriend and then i even said he's the virgin yeah she's by herself she's wearing white she goes out into the woods and she gets attacked yeah and it's sort of like because she didn't have anybody with her it was sort of like she was left to the whims of the woods because yeah. she was by herself. Um, 
and then again sort of no one believing her and uh, um and then again the guy goes out to the woods and as i guess you guys said in the center that's probably what happened to him and i'm like well if it was essential to the movie they would have shown they would have shown they would have shown his attack as well yeah but they didn't and i and i think a lot of it has to do with you know i don't like it's to show i guess how evil things are like if it rapes a woman it's evil or if it but a lot of the time it has to do with as creepy as it is you watch a lot of horror films and thrillers and stuff that are trying to be edgy Mm. and a lot of the time it sort of sexualizes like because when it went straight i think that's exactly why you didn't see that the 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 guy getting raped exactly because it it wouldn't have been sexy and it was this weird Mm. thing that once the stick went up there her noises changed just a little bit and I noticed it, and yeah, that made me I, really uncomfortable yeah. because it turned into a sexual noise. Yeah, because then, yeah, like the noises weren't her going like, "Oh, I'm into this." But no, it but was, it was, it was a tonal. But it shift. was a tonal shift that mm. was, it was, again, I think it was my my assumption would be that the reason for those changes would be to indicate that it was a, a sexual attack as opposed to her just getting stabbed by a tree branch. Yes, I am, but it was. Again, uncomfortable. Re- it's uncomfortable. And I think, you know, I mean, look, rape in film is uncomfortable. Mm. And in the it, we've actually had on the on the last couple of months of, of this podcast, we've had a couple of films which have had rape sequences. We had Rashomon, which is from 1950, mm. which um, involves one of the stories um, or all of the stories involving um, a, a woman being raped by a bandit in the woods. Yeah. Then there was Deliverance, which was um, a man being raped by another man mm. in the woods at gunpoint. And then you've got this film as well with, with essentially a supernatural force. And it's all, all three instances are obviously, a, whenever rape is used in film, it's showing power and abuse of that power. Yeah. And I would... Ta- and I think yeah. that's act- exactly what i think Raimi's intent was here was to show you that the woods were powerful mm. that yeah. the the demon was a powerful force yeah i'm not convinced he did it out of gratuity and i i'm probably you know put my hand up and say i'm i've got no reason to um defend Raimi uh, at this point but I have seen some other films with very gratuitous rape scenes around the same time. For God's sake, don't watch Death Wish 2. Mm. Um, that you really get the, the feeling there that the director's intent was you were going to get some sick thrill out of watching it. Whereas with yeah. this, I thought there was a reason for it in the storyline but it still was uncomfortable viewing. Yeah. Mm. And I, I think you're exactly right with the point as well of the fact that we don't see when Scott comes back and he's all... He's got uh, the same cuts He's on got his the face. same injuries. You can assume he too was attacked in the same way by, by the trees. Mm. It could possibly be the fact that it's literally just, well, we've seen this attack once. It would be less effective to show it again. But I think you're also right that the reason that they showed it happening mm. to the female character is because it is considered acceptable or was considered acceptable at the time that the film was mm. made well it's to have still these things. considered i mean i on a side note my friends and i went and watched red sparrow in the cinemas yes we walked out because mm. it's first of all just a terrible movie but again 20 you know 2018 they had this whole rape scene happening mm. and it was so 
sexualized in the sense of like there was blood going down her like breasts and this person was and the guy that was assaulting her was getting choked and slowly killed by another person behind her and he was killed on top of her with blood going and it was all like this sexual thing while he was still and it was just watching it and i was like what (laughs) so it's still used in cinema quite a lot because again that sense of power like yeah. someone's powerful they still use it and they yeah. and uh, and I'm, it's sort of very f- frustrating yeah i'm um, watching i actually that. saw it more in terms of um it being sort of like a, a, a perils of pauline sort of thing where um you know she she as you point out was the lone um person in this this five mm. um friends um so she was isolated and that was really your first instance where you saw what the power happening? of what they had walked into. Yeah. Um, and it was done in a very extreme way, I think, to get your attention that this isn't going to be a picnic. Yeah. Yeah. I- I'm curious then. Um, okay, so I haven't seen any of the other Evil Dead films. Um, and obviously we're not reviewing those films today, but... Did they go down this direction again in any of the subsequent ones? Well, especially with... in the sequel, because you said yeah. it was like a rehash. Yeah, so Evil Dead 2 is essentially... It's not so much a sequel to Evil Dead. It's more like a uh, a reimagining, for want of a better word. Um, because it essentially tells a lot of the same storyline with a, with a few differences along the way. I'm... I'm Struggling to remember whether or not the, the tree rape was in that, but I, I seem to think it was um, because it does, as I say, follow pretty much the same storyline with a, with, a, with a couple of tweaks. Um, I'm just not absolutely sure on that, Stephen. I'm okay. sorry. No, no, that's perfectly fine. Um, before we, we move on, um, I, I suppose the, the other thing to ask while we're on the subject is given that obviously scenes that involve rapes are often utilized because they have such an impact on the audiences particularly on female audience members mm. um is do you feel as though there is a way for rape to be depicted in films it, it basically in a manner that doesn't evoke outrage or upset i think alien showed even though it was based around sort of men and stuff like that that was it used it in a, it looked at it in a way without it being that but with the alien itself like bursting out and hmm. you know sort of it coming inside of you like without your consent i think a lot of things oh, so can, with the face hugger getting on john the face hurt. yeah and then something bursting out of him it's very hmm. like i think you can evoke a sense of power because what 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 Mm. possession is and that's what happens to all the other characters a possession and a demon possession or a spiritual is that loss of control of your body you have no control over what is happening to you because something is is inside you and, and taking over you um and i think that there can be ways to evoke that feeling of power um in a less I think I th- way. I traumatic think, way in a less traumatic way. Yeah. I mean, again, it was shot one like it was shot very well, very well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, yeah, it was shot really well. But I just, I just feel like there could have just been other ways to do it. And again, of that time and a lot of filmmakers and, and particularly, 
you know, male writers and male directors aren't going to think of it because I'll go, okay, that's scary. It's power. Mm. It's horror. You know, and and go. That's how it's going to show. Not because they, you know, I mean, there'll be some men, uh, but not because they go, oh yeah, but because they're going. This is what I want to show. But again, I suppose if you're watching horror after horror of cinema, um, and thrillers and stuff where it's constantly shown in your face, where people are using the same styles, then I think eventually, as an audience member, it sort of becomes. Let's also not forget though that these films a lot of these films were made by young men mm. and their target audience was primarily young men. Yeah. yeah. So they didn't feel answerable to a, a female um, fan base, for want of a better word. Yeah. Um, and they probably weren't thinking too much around what the female reaction would be when these uh, scenes were filmed. Stephen, you asked, you know, can these things be filmed without there being the sense of outrage or whatever? I think you should always have a sense of outrage mm. um, when there is a rape scene. However, there's a difference between having a sense of outrage and a sense of they filmed this to give you some sort of vicarious thrill. Mm. Right. So, yes. for yeah. example, I'll throw it out there. Uh, if you ever watch a film called Casualties of War by Brian De Palma. That has some of the most uncomfortable viewing in terms of rape scenes I think anyone's ever committed to celluloid. And you certainly do not feel that it was filmed for any kind of vicarious thrill. It was there to show you what a disgusting and debasing act it is hmm. and and that it is a you know it's it's a it's a power thing hmm. um so yeah once again it's not that you're going to enjoy watching that hmm. but it was you know there are certain films where it is done uh for a reason to show you what an, a debased and outrageous act it is and hmm. there also has to be a purpose for it i think when i hate in films in general and tv shows um not just looking at sexual assault but when they do something that doesn't need to be there because it doesn't it doesn't push the story or mm. it doesn't push something. So if you're going to put something in there, especially something like that, you sort of have to go, what's the purpose of it? What am I trying to show? If it wasn't in the movie, would it affect the story completely? If we did it in a different way, would it still hold the effect that I want? Like, is there still a power mm. struggle? Am I showing the power and fear exactly the same but i'm taking out the tree branch that went up her leg or and by taking this am i keeping what i want and if you can watch a scene or read it and have the movie stay exactly the same and it's Mm. taken out then you don't need it whether it's sexual assault or whether it's something else i think if you want something in the movie have it because it it's because you need it for character and you Mm. need it for story not because you think Oh yeah, this is. It's fine. Yeah. Oh, yeah. this is badass. Like, and, and we're assuming know. that this has disappeared. So let's not make any bones about it. This sort of thing has not disappeared from cinema. No. Off the top of my head, if you want something that's reasonably recent, um, let's you know think about Wolf Creek. Mm. Yeah. Do you think then, given given that criteria, did the Evil Dead need that scene? 
in, in terms of did it need to go to that extent? I don't think it needed to go to that extent. Right. Like, I think this, the second that her legs were pulled apart, mm. I was like, mm, oh, you don't need that. The The feeling of of her being attacked and, and sprawled or even her being dragged across the floor, mm. like, you know, I think, and and being hit by branches or being, you know, again, budget restraints, I understand, like, mm. or her being pulled up into the trees or, you know, something or something suffocating her mouth and having to physically rip it all off as it's like, you know, I don't know, impaling her legs so she Mm. can't run. You know, if she's trying to run away and it's impaling her knees or, you know, if you wanted that sense of it's consuming you, Mm. I think there are other ways to do it. Um, But I think the second her legs were pulled apart and the second you saw, and as, as well, all the other branches were all thin and, and really, and then all of a sudden in comes this, thick it's a stick it's like a proper mm. like i think that was when you're like you know I, really... I, I agree with you actually kate i i think in hindsight they could have um shown us a, a, a the same sort of scare with her being pulled at great speed through the branches mm. you know being suffocated strangled whatever the case may be um and it would have had the same effect. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think it would have. And I think, again, then you could have shown it with the guy because he was talking about the tra- this, again, I know budget. Mm-hmm. He was talking about how there's a pathway. Yeah. You know, there's no car, there's no pathway. So the sister, they try to get in the car, the bridge is destroyed. Yeah. If they followed the guy where he said, screw you guys, I'm out of here, and he mm-hmm. grabs an axe and he finds the pathway and then him running towards the pathway and then bam something else happens to him and then he gets pulled back in um and then as it goes maybe back to ash into Mm. into the cabin or whatever you know i think it could show again instead of telling him there's a pathway as an audience you'd have been like oh there's the pathway but no the creature the demon is stopping them as well and i understand budget constraints like so sometimes you just have to be like oh, here's some dialogue because I can't show you the actual yeah, pathway. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly what you they know. did. He came in all messed up and said, nope, can't do that. Can't do that, yeah. yeah. So I understand, like, budget constraint as well, but mm. I, I think they could have done it differently. Um, and especially looking at the TV series, they do make comments on Ash being this dated 80s guy, like, because okay. they do have, like, women in the TV show. Okay. Um, but even then, like... You have badass women, but, you know, there's still a lot of objectification in the 2018 series as well. So, less so. Way less so. Mm. Yeah. All right. That was the tree scene. Uh, Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it was important. I think it's important to discuss these things as they crop up, Um, particularly with the fact that, you know, I I came into this film not knowing there was going to be a scene like that. And so when it does crop up, I think it is important to to discuss that in the same way that I think it's important to discuss favorite moment of gore because this film builds itself on being bloody messy gory Mm. we have limbs being removed we have we have blood all over the place Murray as as a man who's sitting before me wearing a day of the dead shirt I'm going to assume you've seen a lot of films with a bit of gore we were talking about uh, bad taste before we started recording indeed what is your favourite moment of gore from The Evil Dead? Um, I think in terms of... Look, the, 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 the effects are obviously of their time um, and it's, it's difficult sometimes to get away from that. Um, in terms of 
one that's still impressive to this day. I think the stabbing of the ankle oh. with mm. the pencil, oh. that, that mm. produced, I, I'm pretty sure I can say this, a unanimous ooh, um, reaction yeah. from all of us. And I've seen that scene many times. And it, it, yeah, it's, it, it, you can feel, almost feel that pain. It's unpleasant. Especially when the pencil goes up. Like, you're mm. just like, ah, it's not just a stab. It's like a real... So I, 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 it's only a small effect in the film, but I think that's actually very effective. Yeah. Kate, favorite moment of gore? Um, there was actually a few. There was like sort of the comedy aspect that I liked. One was when one of the girlfriends' heads got cut off, and Ash is just underneath her, and with under the head, just blood just hitting his mm. face, and he's just going, "Ugh!" And it's the, his reaction of blood. I can see it was very funny, but also. Mm very real yeah um and then in the basement that whole shot of like the the pipes bursting out with blood the mm. the film going on and him having the projector light hit him as like blood is going down the projector so you can see the blood in the background like mm. those kinds of shots was like really cool mm. um and i and i thought it you know um yeah and him just being sprayed with stuff like i loved that it was just like just so over the top but it worked really well but i think the basement scene towards the end mm. you know um if only the continuity and that laid him to because he kept cleaning his face very well we yeah. commented that his face <laughs> was miraculously clean again but that whole shot of him being sprayed with blood i think is quite a well-known shot of his face covered in blood i think mm. when people think of evil dead i think one of the shots in the basement with him covered in blood is used a lot because yeah. I think it was quite well done. Yeah. Yeah. For me, it's either the uh, the neck stump bleeding all over yeah. him, yeah. Uh, <laughs> as you mentioned. It's just fantastic. Um, I also like because yeah, there's a lot of the, these these effects and these moments which are pretty pretty effective. I, I think it's hard to look past. Uh, Scott just sat on the couch with a bit of bone sticking out of him though. Yeah. Can that I just was... say? <laughs> Funniest, yeah, having the bone just casually, and I, I can see where he wanted the comedy to come in, because when Ash is like, "It's okay, mate, we're gonna, we're gonna get out of here," and he's trying to give Scotty water, and he's clearly dead, and the water's just dribbling out of his mouth, and he's like, "I'll oh, drink this, it's gonna be all right," and mm. you're like, "Mate, that is," it was very funny, mm. and I think then there was lots of scenes that you see in the movie that watching the TV series, and I think knowing where the movie sort of went, you appreciated those like. How how you would just react? I think in those scenes, and, mm. yeah. And like Bruce Campbell's performance, after was have really to say, good. Mm. Yeah, he's he's very good in this. I was uh, again even with just the one eyebrow. Yeah, just that yeah. one eyebrow going the whole way across the face. <laughs> I um because the only thing I really know him from, aside from the fact that he's in this, is the uh, the wrestling announcer in that first Spider Man film that Sam Raimi also directed. Um, so when Tobey Maguire's Peter Parker is is wrestling as the spider-man and there's the wrestling announcer that's that's oh, bruce campbell yeah i don't know what else bruce campbell's been i know he's famous just for this mm. oh he's been in a, a he's been in a, a lot of ton stuff. of movies i was actually i think it was um i was watching a film the other night and once again this yeah don't judge me for the films i watch please um <laughs> it's a film called um new york ripper by lucio fulci um i wouldn't recommend it for the faint-hearted I think that's one. Um, and all of a sudden, there's Bruce Campbell on, on screen. So he, 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 he actually turns up in a lot of stuff. Mm. 
Um, it was also in a, a nice little horror comedy a decade and a half ago called um, Bubba Hotep. Um, oh, that sounds familiar. Yes, he um, had a TV series called The Adventures of Briscoe County Junior. Mm. Um, but I think because of this, movie, a lot of stuff. I think because of this movie series and eventually the TV series, I think him popping up in those horror movies is probably because of this, like these movies, because mm. he's like quite well known as just this average Joe that had to didn't actually really defended himself but didn't go out and kill anyone and then just had a chainsaw in his hand like yeah actually i think if i was a prospective director watching bruce campbell in this film the reason i'd hire him is my god this guy will do anything yeah whatever yeah. i want him to do however uncomfortable it may get he'll yeah. do it hey yeah. bruce do you want us to uh we'll have some blood burst out of pipe yep and then we'll have some more blood uh just coming out of your girlfriend's neck yep Oh, and then um, we'll have you, like, trying to throw a book in the fire, but you're getting hit by a fire. But look, it's all good. I'm here to work. Yeah. yeah it's I, that can-do attitude. The young actor who just gets a young Rami just going like, hey, man, I'm just doing a budget film. I might pay you a little bit. And like, yes, I want How many work. times did he get hurled across the room into furniture in this? Into bookcases. The man's mm. back single-handedly broke every stick of furniture in that in that um, room. Yeah, I know. Yeah. So Would, he did a good job. Yeah. Good acting. Would you guys... Like some trivia about the Evil Dead. Ooh, I love. Oh, trivia. go for it, please. Okay, so uh, this is all trivia that we have uh, gathered from a popular website IMDb. So it will be mostly true, I'm imagining. Um, <laughs> so let's get cracking. At the end of principal shooting in Tennessee, the crew put together a little time capsule package and buried it inside the fireplace of the cabin as a memento of the production. Uh, the cabin, though, has since been destroyed. Uh, it was burnt down in a fire. But the fireplace is still intact. Ooh. What? That is crazy. I mean, realistically, most fireplaces, because it's made of stone. Yeah. Well, it's a fireplace. Yeah. It's a place for fire. Oh, it's, don't, yeah. don't underwhelm Sorry, that. Don't. <laughs> but no, that is really cool, though. Mm. Is, has yeah. anybody opened the time capsule? They must have by now. I'm afraid that's where this particular tidbit of information ends. So. Oh, gosh darn it. Mm. Uh, the original script called for all characters to be smoking uh, marijuana when they are first <laughs> listening to the tape. The actors tried it for real, and the entire scene had to be reshot later because they were uncontrollable. Fantastic. <laughs> mm. So rather than oh, um, possessed, they were all stoned. Yeah. They have... never get actual actors stoned or yeah. drunk. That's just, uh, yeah, they'll be it... like wild cats. Yeah, just doesn't end well. No. Um, the cabin is located in, or sorry, was located in Morristown, Tennessee. In Bruce Campbell's biography, he says that um, it later burnt down. No one knows for sure. Sam Raimi claimed that he burnt it down himself after filming. Um, no one uh, involved would also give out complete directions to the cabin because the brick chimney, which is still standing, um, gets gets vandalised a lot because people are, you know, like, oh, we're here, Evil Dead, like scratching stuff into the bricks. So people won't. The, the people involved in the film won't say where it is now. Oh, wow. Just because they want the chimney Ooh, to take survive. Take a secret to their graves. Yeah. <clears throat> I've indeed. got one for you. Oh, yes. Ooh. Um, one of the editors on this film <laughs> was one of the Cohen brothers. Yes, uh, Joel what? Cohen. Um, this is one of his first uh, first gigs. It was. Yeah. And it, it kind of inspired them to, um, to, to make their own film. So, mm. yeah. Is that why they called There Will Be Blood, There Will Be Blood? Just because they assumed there will always be blood because well, of this Wasn't film. their first film called Blood Simple? Mm. I think there's been a definite impact there's on A definite it. impact, yeah. yeah. Um, the blood itself, while we're there, uh, is a combination of uh, syrup, non-dairy creamer, and red food colouring. Oh, classic. At one point, Bruce Campbell's shirt um, was so saturated with the fake blood that after drying it by the fire, the shirt solidified and broke when he tried to put it on. <laughs> 
<laughs> so yeah, that's when you know you've got a little, a little bit of uh, blood on there. Yeah. Just. Andy Granger, a friend of Bruce Campbell and Sam Raimi's, gave them this advice. Fellas, no matter what you do, keep the blood running down the screen. So, in tribute to him, they included the uh, the shot of the projector with blood literally running uh-huh. down the screen. Well, there so we it's, go. It's yeah. a very clear, like, we were listening, Andy. Um, I like that. That's nice. Mm. Uh, Bruce Campbell, uh, the first of many Bruce Campbell-related injury tidbits, which are on this. Oh, love it. Um, twisted his ankle uh, on a route while running down a steep hill, and Sam Ooh. Raimi um, teased him by uh, poking him <laughs> with, with a stick. Because they, they were like mm. two friends who were in their 20s, just yeah. like, eh. Um, which is why um, Campbell walks with an obvious limp in some scenes. That's hilarious. But, but Raimi is famous for loving to torture his actors. Mm. So um, it doesn't surprise it me. That's where it started. At the end of a normal day of shooting, uh, Bruce Campbell would return home in the back of a pickup truck because he was covered in so much fake blood. They wouldn't let him sit in the actual oh, seats. Oh, poor guy. <laughs> Shirt's just breaking off. He's got a twisted ankle. <laughs> <laughs> he's just having a uh, terrible time. He has, to, has to go in a pickup truck over that broken bridge. Over that br- mm. I'm sure. You know, yeah, that bridge. Mm. Uh, Betsy Baker, who played Linda, revealed in an interview that she was told the producers were interested in her to star in this horror movie. She only agreed to meet them in a public restaurant because she was genuinely suspicious that they were filmmakers. Yeah. Which, you know, I think that's fair. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. What, so what are you going to do to me in this film? Ah, oh, your head's going to get cut off and yeah. uh, mm. you're going to squirt blood from your neck stump. Yeah, I mean, the, they do, the ones possessed, the two women, they did like a great job. Their possession acting was a mate. Like when he was dragging her out of the house. Yeah. And like she was in the thing and her like body was like, I can imagine that audition. Like the amount of auditions, just having them been like, so um, can you just do a creepy laugh? Can you like wither your body around? It mm. was she did a really good job. I think with the budget, it would have been more like, a, are you available for these dates? Great, you're in. Yeah, mm. probably. Um, Sam Raimi and Bruce Campbell were friends from high school and made a load of Super Eight films together as they were growing up, and then obviously that led to this. Um, the reason that Campbell became the actor of the group, though, is because um, they both realised that he was the one that girls wanted to look at. Ah. Out of the two guys, out of Sam Raimi and so we don't see. Oh, Sam Raimi. about a, have, you, have you seen Sam Raimi? I can understand this. Yeah, yeah. Bruce Campbell is apparently the looker, so he ended up being the actor. He's got the chin. Mm. Bruce has the chin. It's a, a great he, chin. It's he a great was definitely chin. like an attractive guy when mm. he was younger. Like he's got like a good face. You know, I wouldn't you know call him a Brad Pitt, but like he, you know, decent he's, looking bloke. Yeah, yeah. Nice jaw. That is a nice. Once, once nice he jaw. shaved it into two brows, it was. Yeah. Yeah. Improvement. Mm. Um, Sam Raimi originally wanted to title this film Book of the Dead, but producer Irvin Shapiro uh, changed the title to The Evil Dead uh, for fear that kids would be turned off by seeing a movie with a literary reference. Ah. <laughs> kids are dumb. They don't want books. Yeah. They want evil. They want evil. <laughs> and death. <laughs> Yeah, I just, I mean, it, just him smoking the cigar, going ah, children don't like books. So no, no compromise, no evil yeah. literary dead. Evil. Yeah, nothing like that. No, yeah, no uh, pamphlet of the recently deceased. None, <laughs> none of that. Um, the eerie wind noise in the movie was recorded by Sam Raimi. Um, he first heard it through his bedroom window while he was trying to sleep, and uh, realised this would be perfect for the film. Oh uh, no, it was a good sound, and mm. especially like um, I also like the. The noises when the evil was like, you know, someone was possessed, you know? So like when mm. he was like digging the grave and you heard the music and her eyes open and stuff. Yeah. That's some really good like 
creepy music. Mm. Mm. Uh, when there wasn't any filming, Bruce Campbell would actually help out the crew in prepping the shops and uh, props around the set. I mean, this was a very collaborative effort. And, yeah. Um, yeah, he was, he was very hands-on in helping. I think some of those uh, tracking shots, obviously not the ones he was in, but the ones where the, the camera is going through the woods and we're seeing stuff from the evil's perspective, the camera is attached to a 2 by 4 and it's Sam Raimi and Bruce Campbell just running mm. with with this um with That's the camera. Awesome. Yeah. Which they speak- they they actually had to invent their own steady cam. Mm. Yeah. Because they couldn't afford I know thing. which um speaking of really nice uh, shots when um Ash had to drag his girlfriend uh, dead body out yeah. of the house and you had the shot of um his dead mate and then the slowly dragging the body and then his sister underneath the thing mm. and like all the books and stuff that was a really cool shot that mm. was like one of my favorite you didn't see you didn't see ash at all you just saw her body Being just moved. going and it was like one of my favorite shots in, yeah. in the whole movie i quite liked after the bloody basement scene when he steps in that big puddle of blood and there's just a tin of bandages floating in mm. which yeah, i thought was very funny. Was funny yeah yeah, yeah. um a cameraman, this is uh, injury number two, uh, a cameraman slipped during filming and smashed his camera into Bruce Campbell's face, knock, oh. knocking out some of his teeth. Oh my, how much did... I just feel like he didn't get paid enough. Like, uh, mm. yeah, things... and, and there would probably no insurance on this film set, I'm guessing. In Germany, the film was released in theatres and on video on the same day to avoid problems with the censorship boards. It was banned shortly afterwards, but dominated the top ten in the few weeks of its release. Germany eventually lifted the ban. When do you think Germany lifted the ban on being able to watch The Evil Dead? Hmm. Well, going by the re-certification um, of films, particularly video nasties, I'm going to think it was probably sometime around about 2000 and something. Yeah, I feel like the way the trivia is going is that it took them a long, like an embarrassing 2004. Long time. There we go. You're going 2004? Hmm. Um, oh, yeah. I, you know what? Let's be fun. Uh, 2010. It was uh, overturned in July 2016. Oh, hello. Mm. Oh, wow. Yeah. But the thing is, because that it this wasn't film even that's... actually did make the video nasties list. So yeah. this was one of about 40 films that was actually banned in um particularly in britain um mm. for just being you know uh no, naughty naughty stuff it was you, specifically you referenced this. by yeah. mary whitehouse in, in the court proceedings question so and that's they, what video they, they, they never they the, the fun thing was that none of these people actually ever watched the films mm. so question just for for my um, 93 baby here um mm. video nasties mm. so was was that a list or yes it was a list so there was um it was actually an act passed in the british parliament um in terms of uh, banning a, a certain number of films that they deemed to to have no uh intrinsic value um and in fact could be damaging to the the youth of the day so from memory there was an initial list of i think it was 39 um and they expanded that to um, several more, or there were several more mooted that were challenged and um, didn't actually end up making the list. Um, so yeah, there, there were some, to be perfectly honest, there were some quite 
harmless films that were banned just on the, the basis of their title alone. Mm. Um, it, it's up to you whether or not you think Evil Dead deserved that fate. Um, I could say there were a number of other films on that list that were probably far more deserving. Mm. Well, wouldn't that make you want to watch it more, like as a young oh, person? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I mean, used to seek them out. I'm, yeah. just, I'm just having a look through the list of the mm. films that were banned in, in uh, this 1982 act. A lot of them have the word cannibal in the title. Mm. Mm. Um, but uh, obviously uh, Faces of Death was, mm. was one of the ones, which was a arguably the most famous uh, snuff film of all time. It was a, um, essentially it was a documentary, in quotation marks, that showed basically shocking footage of like people dying and all sorts of But a lot of it was actually fake as well. A lot of it was faked, Mm. but it was, yeah, it was that kind of purported to be like, this is real and look, this Mm. person dies, that kind of thing. It was one of those things, but yeah, it got, it was very A lot of those films are actually banned, um, not necessarily because of the horror content, but because of animal cruelty. Uh, Yeah. And to this day... um, there are certain titles, I'm thinking off the top of my head, Cannibal Holocaust or, yeah, Cannibal Holocaust probably be one of them, where in this country you cannot get an uncut version of that film. There's another one called Deep River Savages, which um, has, as one of the scenes, a fight between a mongoose and a, and a, a cobra. Like an actual fight. An actual mm. fight. Um, now, they will never be released uncut in this yeah. country because we have laws saying you cannot uh, show animal cruelty. So whilst they've been recertified and you can now pick these films up commercially, you cannot pick them up fully uncut. I like my horror. I don't like uh, censorship in this particular case. I'm quite happy um, to let those scenes go. I don't need to see that stuff. Well, that's the thing. Mm. What The whole point of movies is that you're it's fake. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't mm. want to see actual animals kill each other or butchered or and also i i do and and yeah even then fake ones i mean there's a whole Mm. website dedicated to does the dog die so people Mm. can look at it and go ah no the dog dies Mm. i'm not i'm not watching that so in terms of evil dead no trees were harmed no trees were harmed Mm. yeah no actual people either so well well except except for bruce campbell except for bruce i just i look as an actor i just he would have been a new student a movie Mm. i just oh this is you know this is why actors get unions eventually because that's so much work to show how committed he was to this as well bruce campbell put up his family's property in northern michigan as collateral so that they could finish the film. Wow. Um, and also, uh, with this collateral, they were able to blow it up to 35mm, which was required for the theatrical release. Mm. So the reason it was able to get into theatres was because Bruce Campbell put his house on the line. Uh, Raimi was so grateful for this contribution, he made Campbell a co-producer. Yeah, you would. Yeah, I mean, you yeah. would. Yeah, but yeah, it's... Um, yeah, so... It's it, also, like, good... And I liked that by making the sequel, you know... He could have gotten any other actor because he had more money and stuff mm. like that. And especially because by the end of this movie, you know, spoiler alert, it looks like that even though he thought he escaped, nah, bam, all mm. right, he gets taken at the end even though it's daylight because you can't really get rid of evil. Um, but I like that he could have just gone with another sequel of more people coming to the cabin mm. and blah, blah, blah. But the fact that he was like, nah, he did a really good job. He's my mate. He really worked hard on the first movie. I'm going to put him 
back in back in this whole series mm. and I, I you know good good job hmm. yeah uh, the cabin used as the film set was also used as lodging for the 13 crew members uh, with several people <laughs> sleeping on the floor oh wouldn't you hate doing all that filming and then just having to pull out a bed that would be terrible living conditions were terrible and the crew frequently argued the actors went days without showering or bathing because there was no plumbing um and frequently fell ill because it was freezing weather this was shot in the winter of 1979 to 1980 things got so bad that by the end of the production they were burning furniture to stay warm yeah you'd be like what happened to that couch all all handily (laughs) disassembled by um bruce campbell's back back. well (laughs) can i just say i did notice that at one point in the movie um, the mate was on the couch, right? And then when he comes back in after burying his girlfriend, you never see that couch again. Like, it's never, like, above the shot. It's Now that you've said that, I wouldn't mm. be surprised if they set that couch on yeah, the fire. The couch was the first to go. The couch think? would have been the first to mm. go. I think that, they were like, mm. all right, is there any more shots on this couch? No, no, we're just going to make his mate jump up and go, there, right? Mm. And you don't need to see the couch, yeah. right? Yeah. That'll, that'll burn nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, the film was shown to Stephen King, and it was his glowing endorsement, which was used on the film's ads and posters, Ooh, yes. um, which sold it to the public. The film was bought by New Line Cinema soon after Stephen King said, I like this film. Mm. Nice. Yeah, that, that's The it. power of Stephen King. That's mm. exactly what you want, yeah. having Stephen King saying thumbs up. Wouldn't uh, it, he would have felt mortified that there had been a, a, a better film uh, up there on screen than any of the adaptions of, it, of his own stories, wouldn't he? Potentially. I mean, you know, he, he obviously did like it, though. So, you know, it's, <laughs> But also, yeah. a lot of his movies are pretty hard. His, his horror movie, like, people putting film version of his books is so hit and miss. Like, mostly, mostly miss. Yeah, yeah. I was trying to be polite. I was trying to be yeah. polite. Yeah, look, look his, his, his medium is the novel. Yes. And he's very good with the written word. And it doesn't mm. always translate. It's fine. Yeah. Not everything is interdisciplinary. Particularly when, in particularly in his earlier novels, my memory is from reading them that uh, a lot of it's um, internal dialogue. So yeah. uh, yes. difficult to put up there on screen. Yeah, a little bit. The film. Uh, the film ran out of money. Uh, only halfway through um, <laughs> when it, well, this was in the middle of that winter in 1980. They, they blew the blood budget? Yeah. It was all the blood. Um, in order to complete it, Sam Raimi, Robert Tappert, and Bruce Campbell did everything they could uh, to get more money. This included high-interest bank loans, borrowing money from friends and family, and making cold calls to businesses around their hometown um, in the state of Michigan. The cold calls actually worked quite well, and they were able to get ca- uh, catering, gasoline, and other necessities, uh, as opposed to just direct money. Nice. But yeah, they really like fought tooth and nail to get this thing made. Um, and... I think you can see a lot of that love on on the screen. It's it's very for a film that's cost just shy of four hundred thousand dollars. You get, I think, a lot more value out of it than that. Mm. It, like like the the attention. I don't even think it cost that, Stephen. It was it was south of that. Yeah, that's kind of like the the upper range of of where it costs. So um, yeah, I mean, it's it's a good film. But yeah, it's a good film, and I think that shows that even if you don't have a budget or you don't have much of anything, if you have uh, the skill, if you have the right people, and if you have the passion, you can do something great. I think first and foremost, great. you need the story. Mm. Mm. And that's the thing. And it's, it's got a, a good basic storyline. Mm. Yeah. And and again, some of those shots were really good. And, and you know, the actor shots and the basic storyline. So I think, you know, anybody watching that movie could see, oh, mate, if we just gave him a budget you know what what more can you do um, well he, he did actually have to um audition 
for want of a better word, um, to get this made. So he made a, a short film called Within the Woods in 1978 prior to making this, which was essentially a teaser for The Evil Dead. And it was through that that he managed to raise a lot of the money to actually make um, The Evil Dead. Oh, I'd like to see that. That'd be cool. Yeah. I've, I've actually got a copy, but it's very ropey. Oh. <laughs> yeah, it's about a fourth or fifth generation VHS. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, it's a oh, wow. fair way down the chain. Hmm. Um, Sam Raimi showed this film to anyone willing to watch it, uh, booking <laughs> meetings with distribution agents and anyone in the film industry because he's, you know, he's like 2021. 20, oh, wow. he's, he's trying to get this film out there. Um, obviously, he came across Irving Shapiro, the man who said don't put a book in the title because they won't like it. Yes. Um, and... Shapiro uh, was responsible for the distribution of Night of the Living Dead. Um, mm. And after watching the film, he joked saying, look, it's not gone with the wind, <laughs> was, <laughs> was his summation. But he felt it had commercial potential. Um, and so he expressed his interest in distributing it and um, you know, insisted on that it have a title that doesn't have book in it. Mm-hmm. And Shapiro also advised... Distributing the film wor- worldwide would garner a larger income that required a further financial investment by Raimi. Uh, but Raimi did put that money forward and it was distributed worldwide. And mm. I mean, I'd say The Evil Dead is it's fairly well known internationally. I mean, it's, yeah. it's well known enough that the Germans were like, we can't watch this until two years ago. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, it's uh, yeah, I, 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 it, it really is um, a, a testament to two passion projects. Yeah, I mean, I knew of the title before I'd even... I mean, this is the first time I've watched the movie, but even when I saw the TV show advertised like on Stan here in Australia, I was like, I know what Evil Dead is because even if I hadn't seen the movies, I'd heard so much about it. Like, it was just when you thought of horror movies, it was like Halloween, Nightmare on Elm Street, Evil Evil Dead. Dead. Like, it was, Mm. you know, it was something that, you know... I mean, And and this was, was, uh, you know... the. I suppose the fairly early days of um, just basically do-it-yourself filmmaking. Mm. So you had guys like Raimi make The Evil Dead and from that Peter Jackson makes Bad Taste and when the horror scene had sort of done its bit then you had um, Richard Linklater come along and do Slack as you had Uh, Kevin Smith do clerk so it was back in those days where people could pull together financing and actually make their own film Mm. Um, yeah it's a lot harder to do now well it's is it because you (laughs) can you can put it's getting your film found now I think is is more problematic it's never been easier to I would say make and get a film out there yes but conversely that makes it much more difficult for mm. people to yeah. yeah i think stuff like um uh, first of all uh, youtube definitely when it first started for filmmakers yeah. like to be able to that might not have gotten that opportunity to sort of make what they wanted mm. and then um, stuff with a lot of streaming services mm. like netflix who you know have picked up some of those small films that didn't necessarily get a lot of love you know on on film um in cinemas and stuff or yeah. saying yes to a lot of things yeah. you know saying we think this might work based on what we've understood from all the what people watch on our service yeah giving it a crack um i mean that's that's how we, people still make their their starts in film primarily on projects like this though i mean um mm. the fellow that directed uh, uh rogue one as uh, gareth edwards mm. he started off and i, I believe it was Gareth Edwards who did this um he directed a film 
that I think was called Monsters. Monsters. Yeah. yeah. And that was all shot and edited together on like one laptop. Uh, and it oh, was, wow. it was very effectively put together and that's, and like it, it was so well done despite being done with um, relatively small resources that it led to him getting these, these bigger jobs. He did the, one of the Godzilla recent Godzilla mm. films and then he got Rogue One and, and got to work mm. on that. Um, so like that pathway is still there, but essentially it comes back to story. I yeah. mean, everything comes back to story. You look at like, um, well, shucks, Australia's own Lee Whannell with Saw. Mm. Yeah. You know, comes up with, with that idea, gets studio backing for it. And next thing you know, pretty much launches the whole, um, you know, torture porn run that we had there for in the, the 90s. so many sequels, um, horror sequels yeah, as well. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I like, yeah, again, they just had the concept of we only have enough money to pretty much film in one room. <laughs> what can we do? Oh, there was this really great scene in Mad Max. Okay, and then wrote a good script. Yeah, and or you you have um, someone uh, who, maybe from my perspective anyway, didn't have such a great idea or such a great film, um, but had a great way of marketing using what at the time were um, fairly new resource, resources, such as you know the the internet. So you look at Blair Witch Project, yeah, mm. and how they just built buzz with publicity. Mm. Um, yeah. before the, and the found before footage. the film came out yeah and the, the found, found footage, footage and thing. paranormal activity oh. as well that was like yeah I the simple what you can do with hmm. a small so, budget yeah. an idea if you yeah. come up with a good idea that hasn't been found before there's obviously the opportunity mm. Mm. would you like one more Bruce Campbell injury story oh go yes. for it <laughs> uh, Bruce Campbell received uh, obviously numerous injuries on the film a notable one uh, which was caught on film is the scene where a possessed Cheryl's hands burst through the cabin floor to seize Ash by the face. A trickle of Campbell's actual blood runs down his head. Uh, the actor was gashed in the head by the puppeteer uh, who had blindly g- grabbed him. So, also oh, a- when he's up against the door. No, the um, w- w- when um, she she goes back to being. Oh, I'm okay now. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then yeah, the hands yeah. burst the hands through and grab him. Through the yeah, th- there was a trickle of blood which came down that was his actual blood. And because On his I'd, forehead? Yeah, because I'd read this, I kept an eye out for it. And it is very obviously real blood oh, which comes down in this I shot. See that shot again, yeah. So, yeah, he, um, he really did bleed for this film. Um, fun fact uh, to finish on, the gun that was used for Ash's boomstick was an actual working shotgun. And actual shots were fired while filming scenes. I am not surprised because if they had no money, they would have been like, mm. cool, here's an actual shotgun. Oh, oh my goodness. I'm surprised no one else got shot. Mm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, you know, I mean, ultimately, I think this was a pretty good film. Mm. In, 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 in summation, I think um, I, I wasn't quite sure what to expect. It threw a lot of things that I didn't expect at me, but I think ultimately I I think I rather liked The Evil Dead. Yeah. Hmm. So with that in mind, let's score the film. So uh, for anyone who's new, like Murray uh, here, at the end of each episode, we give the film a score out of 10, with uh, one being oh, no good and 10 being excellent. Um, it's an entirely arbitrary score. This is more, you know, just to see where it sort of sits in our own personal rankings. So, uh, Kate, as the guest who hadn't seen the film, uh, you get to score it first. What would you give The Evil Dead out of 10? Um, I would give it a solid... Well, not solid. I think I'd give it, like, a solid 
um, five and a half to six eye gouges. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That, that eye gouging was that great. Was, that was, yeah. It was very effective. Yeah, it was very effective. Yeah. Mm. So it's a good horror. And again, someone that had, I guess, watched the TV series first and then this, you could see elements of what were to be the comedy side of it. And mm. I think it was... And that really comes out in Evil Dead too. Yeah. And I think watching it, seeing those aspects was really great, but it was really cool watching it just as it being taken seriously as a horror. Mm. Um, but I think, if you, I think if you like horror movies, I think this is a... It's a good movie to watch. Mm. So, Murray, what would you give it out of ten? Well, Stephen, you know I'm I'm an unabashed horror movie fan, um, and this one for me ranks up there with, um, you know, in terms of the the experiences um, in in horror cinema for me up there with films like Texas Chainsaw Massacre and Halloween and, and so on. Well, maybe a, a slight level below, um, just due to the overall polish. But I really love the, the, the manic nature of this film once it, once it gets going. Mm-hmm. And um, it never really lets up. So I'm going to give it a solid uh, eight pencil stabs to the Oof. ankle. Yeah, that's. Um, I mean, look, it was an amazing effect. That was, and as soon as Murray said it, we both went. Oh, oh yeah, <laughs> I know that still sticks with you. Uh, it definitely stuck with her. Uh, yeah. And for myself, um, I, I yeah, as I said, I was I was pleasantly surprised by the majority of this film, and um, I would like to go and watch the second one and yeah. and Army of Darkness now. I think I think mm. um, you know when if and when they eventually do come up on the on the podcast um i i I look forward to seeing them and uh, understanding more of the side-scrolling mobile game that i play so um i would give it yeah i I think it lacks polish i think there are um a couple of elements which um sort of lower that score but ultimately i would still say it's definitely a film that is worth seeing particularly if you if you have not seen many horror comedies um so I, i would probably give it Six and a half uh, Bruce Campbell injuries out, out of ten. I like it. Yeah. Very good. Very good. Know, I enjoyed it. I have to watch more horror. I have never watched Halloween. I've never watched oh. Chainsaw Massacre. Oh. I've never, like, I, the most I've You're got killing is me here, Nightmare Kate. on You're Elm killing Street. Me. That's the only one I've, I've really, an alien. I, I'm not sure you should watch Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I'm really not sure. Oh, okay. Mm. Oh, but, but I do want to watch Halloween. That film actually still sort of scares me in a way see the most that I've watched is Cabin in the Woods that's why I kept asking you I was like did this start the Cabin trope because Cabin mm. in the Woods with Joss Sweden like I really enjoyed that even though I didn't even though I only knew half the tropes because of it being a trope not because mm. I'd seen it in movies yeah I, I think the, the similarities there are the comedy side of things mm. yeah well if and when we get to more of these uh, scary horror films uh we'll obviously have to try and make sure that we educate you a bit more yeah i know by the end of it my school will either go up or down mm. like after the if the more movies i've seen yeah excellent all right well that brings us to an end of this spooky halloween episode so kate and murray thank you very much for joining me on this episode thank you it was a pleasure we're gonna get you i love that <laughs> dead by dawn dead by dawn <laughs> uh, for those of you listening at home thank you very much for listening in particular thank you to our patreons uh, they suggested a whole raft of halloween films for us to watch um and they were able to do that because they are exclusive members of the cinema catch-up club on patreon if you want to become a member just go to www.patreon.com forward slash ccuc podcast and you can suggest films to 
make us sit there and potentially get traumatized like the <laughs> texas chainsaw massacre uh we're also available on facebook that's where people were voting that's where they decided we're going to watch this instead of uh, the original halloween for mm. example so if you want to uh to vote in other films or even just suggest films that we should watch um then just go to facebook and search for the cinema catch-up club we can be found there and of course there are about 80 other episodes of this that you can listen to so uh, you can find us on itunes or soundcloud anywhere podcasts are provided so just search for the cinema catch-up club subscribe and you'll get a fresh episode each and every week but that's all for this week so until next time goodbye It's behind you! You have been listening to a Thought Jar Productions podcast. For more information, please visit thoughtjarproductions.com.